Are you ready? Welcome everybody to Wrestling with the War! everybody it is bc back once again with another episode of wrestling with the war and this time i'm going into the trenches with a a buddy alongside with me and you may not recognize this name it is big mike formerly known as big mike the host now he's big mike the realtor but he's big mike the friend to me my good buddy from down south mike how you doing Man, I am fantastic. I uh, sitting in this podcast booth has brought back uh, what was my podcast booth in my office here has brought brought back so many memories and and things of the last two years that. Well, when did I start? Man, it's been a long time. How long have you? Man, I started right after you guys. Yeah, yeah. I think our first episode dropped in June of 2021. You were pretty close on the heels of that. I think we were like August or September. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, we're, we're, we're pushing on two years now doing this podcast game and it's, and it's, it's, you know, I've come a long way, man. <laughs> and I'm I doing so good right now, man. <laughs> I guess you have. I, I, so the last time you were on our show, you were doing Barry the Gimmick at that point. Uh, we had both been on each other's shows and then you yep. made another, another appearance later on. But, and then after that, you had quite the little adventure going on as well in the podcast world. You want to talk about what you've been doing over those last few years? Because it's been a whirlwind for you, not just Man. with podcasting, but with wrestling in general. Man, I uh, I got to live every person who grew up a wrestling fan's dream, <laughs> like literally, uh, and, and and including not just wrestling, but if you're a podcast personality, host, guest host, whatever you're doing in the podcasting world, I got to live it and do it. And, and, uh, it's over with now and I miss it. You know, I, I, it's, it's, but looking back on it, it was, it was a great experience. So, uh, started with Barry the Gimmick, Ken and I, and, and then we, we came back, it was me and Ken and we had stats and Mm -hmm. and Barry the Gimmick kind of faded away. And I made my way into the pro wrestling world. Who would have thunk it? I, Mm -hmm. uh, I got hooked up with a local wrestling promoter who, had a wrestling app that he was trying to do. And, you know, he brought me in and brought me on board. And next thing you know, he's like, I want to take this wrestling promotion to the next level. And I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll give it the best shot I can. And uh, I got to work alongside some of the most amazing people in wrestling and, and, and just the podcasting, you know, I got to do the podcast with Scott Armstrong, Armstrong Avenue, but outside of the podcast, Scott was also the, you know, I was instrumental in bringing him in as our executive producer of our live events and our TV show that we were trying to push. And I got to work alongside him at, at the production level, you know, behind the curtains in Gorilla with Scott Armstrong. I got to learn from that tree of Bob Armstrong, you know, Road Dog and Brad and the Vince McMahon learning tree. Those little mannerisms still to this day, I've got notes in my phone that I would have never thought of two years ago if you would have brought me on as, as a guest. I would have never thought of the way – the way I look at wrestling now is so different because mm-hmm. I sat next to Scott. I, I've, I've picked the brain of Dr. Tom Pritchard. I've sat with Rip Rogers, 
and we didn't talk. Rip Rogers does nothing but tell dad jokes. <laughs> and I, and I, I bet nobody knows who Rip Rogers is. Oh, I know who Rip, I know who Rip Rogers is. <laughs> the hustler, I mean, man. The hustler, man. Yes, yes. He, Trainer he, of champions. One of the funniest guys in the world. Literally the funniest guy you'll ever meet in your life. And don't expect him to hold anything back. He is going to tell it like it is. But he, like you said, the wrestler, the trainer of champions, Mm -hmm. the guys trained, you you name it over the last 20 years, Rip Rogers was instrumental in training them from John Cena, Batista, Brock Lesnar to Mickey James, Deanna Perrazzo, who's currently tearing it up. Rip Rogers Mm -hmm. trained her. I mean, it's crazy. I, I got to do it and I got to work alongside a lot of cool people. And I got to sit at the commentary booth for a show, which was insane, next to my good friend Rob Weathers. And uh, shout out to him for carrying this old lug. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it was I was uh, you know a lot of people told me I was good, but he he told me after the show he goes he goes I'll be honest with you, excuse my language. He said that was absolute dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I I uh, I got to hang out with Boogeyman and Teddy Long and a lot of great people. Um, and it was just a lot of fun and it all came crashing down at the end of it. And the people, money backers behind main event wrestling decided, Hey, we don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. It was a good run, but they shot it down and which was great. And I'll be honest with you. It was great for me because wrestling isn't a career for somebody like me. It's just not, it was, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity that I grabbed by the horns and I took it, but I, uh, I took everything that I learned from doing the wrestling business, you know, talking to people, meeting with people, promotions, graphic design, you know, all that thing, all the things that I did, I'm now leading into my real estate career and Mm. it's taken off like a, like a boom, man. And, Mm -hmm. um, but I, looking back on it, I wouldn't change any of it, man. It was, it was the experience of a lifetime. Let's, let's just doing the podcast with Scott was a lot of fun. I got to, uh, I got to go and watch wrestling, throughout his career of things I've never seen. I mean, I dude, I never watched Southeastern or Continental. <laughs> and I and, and, and I grew up in Georgia, but I never watched any of that because it was in the eighties and the, yeah. the early nineties. And I was, you know, I wasn't even in my dad then. Like my dad wasn't thinking about me, you know, <laughs> then. So <laughs> but I got to go and watch that for the first time. Some of the greatest wrestling storylines ever in wrestling in Southeastern <laughs> Continental um, you know, the, the mid South territories, I've, I've watched that just because there'd be times he wanted to talk about his brother. And so I'd go back and watch some of that and man, dude, just honestly, that generation that you got to watch growing up, I am so envious of that. Oh so, yeah, man. Yeah. But Hey, I got, I got to talk about it. I got to hear it from somebody yeah. who was firsthand there, you know, the stories of him and Arn Anderson rooming together and all that, man, it was great. Yeah. Was great, I mean, great times, dude. Uh, I, I still laugh because I remember you, you DM, DM me a couple of times like, hey, were you aware of this? And I'm like, oh, yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I'd be like, you wait till you see what happens next, right? And yeah, just, yeah. Oh, man, it's just so good. I mean, it's the whole reason that I started another YouTube channel based on the 80s, right? I mean, uh, yeah. and, you know, cheap plug right now, wrestling with the 80s over on YouTube. Go over and <laughs> subscribe to it if you haven't already, but it's taken off like a wildfire for me, which yeah, I'm loving. That's awesome. but uh lots it's unreal people just love that time period of wrestling and it's so nice to see so many people not just watching the videos but interacting Mm -hmm. and talking about the memories that they have about some of the people that uh 
that were that I'm talking about on the channel. So it's so cool. And yeah, I am. I am very lucky that I grew up in that era as a wrestling fan because it was just a boom period and it was still a time when you could still believe in it too. So it was yeah. it was pretty amazing. But we're gonna talk about an era of wrestling right now that is kind of in your wheelhouse because this is kind of what you grew up on is WCW in the nineties, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I came on a little after it, but uh, but that was what Ken Ken watched this growing oh, up. Oh, okay, and, okay. And and when whenever we started our podcast, he forced me to watch every bit of WCW, <laughs> and I fell there in love go. with I fell in love with the Monday Night War, man. I really yes. did, and it was yeah. it was uh, it was great. And so hey, and this this actual pay per view yeah. was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the pay-per-view we're talking about is Starcade 95. And if for yeah. those folks who have been following along, last episode I was doing the, the build-up to uh, Starcade 95. And I'll I'll be honest, and uh, Mike, I, never, I don't know if you even got a chance to hear the episode or not, but the build-up for Starcade 95 was not the best. And yeah. watching this pay-per-view, I'm like, man, if they had only just uh, focused on introducing us to these Japanese wrestlers, mm-hmm when we had a little bit more idea of who these people were, this would have been a phenomenal show because you go into it, you got surprised by some of the matches that they had, but um, I wasn't sure what to expect. Cause I don't, I remember watching it back in 95, but I, it's been, I haven't watched it again since then. So I can't remember if it was good, bad or whatever, but I really enjoyed the pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I agree. The buildup was not good, you know, mm-hmm. and even in today's world, a lot of these Japanese wrestlers, you know, that's one thing I got to do too in wrestling that we could, you know, touch on if you wanted to. I got to, uh, I got to work alongside a Japanese promotion that mm-hmm. I uh, tied up with. But um, the Japanese wrestlers, people don't know who they are over here, mm-hmm. and and if they don't, and you don't build that up, you know, your hardcore fans now might, you know, the smart marks. But in '95, they wouldn't. <laughs> but have in '95, you wouldn't have had a clue. Yeah. Who who who? Unless you know, it was like Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah. Uh, but some of these other ones. No, no idea. The only ones that we recognized were Liger, and we recognized Suzuki because he'd already wrestled on Nitro at that point, and maybe like Chono. Well, Saito, because he was. I was about to say Masa Saito. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the other young guys who they really should have been promoting because they were great. uh, It would have just been nice to have like a package or something like that on it. But they were really focused on this triangle match, which we'll talk about later because that's an interesting matchup. And then, of course, the world title match I was following. But it's kind of tough to promote the world title match because you didn't know who the challenger for Savage was going to be at that time. But Yeah, that was a whole weird – that was something we can talk about. But I just thought that was really weird how the pay-per-view was like, you got to win this to get to the title match. I just – I didn't like that aspect because, like you Mm -hmm. said, you can't promote the match. The main event needs to be the main event. You've got to promote that hard. Mm-hmm. And get video packages and you know the graphics together and push those two because that main event needs to be your two biggest stars or the biggest stars of that night, and that's what it needs to feel like. Yeah. Although the way they did it worked, and I can it get did. into that. I can get yeah, into that. Sure. Well, let's get into it. Let's get going on this. So we're gonna be talking Starcade '95. So we're gonna run through quickly the matches and stuff, but we'll give our thoughts on it and. No, Mike, he's going to have some funny comments and some of this stuff as well. But this is taking place in Nashville Municipal Auditorium. Uh, the attendance for the show is 8,200. Have you ever been to that uh, that arena at all? Um, I was next to it. Okay. So, uh, so fun fact, I actually have this wrote down. Ric Flair's last match was held there um, SummerSlam right. weekend yeah. of, of 2022. 
And I was up there for SummerSlam. I didn't go to SummerSlam, but we were doing a Teddy Long event on a mm-hmm. rooftop bar. And, uh, you know, so we were right next door to it, but I've never been inside of it. But that building has so much history in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From WCW to TNA had Slammiversary there. And I, th- I want to say WWF had uh, No Holds Barred. The, the the movie and the, the pay-per-view or something in that, in that <laughs> yeah. building. I don't know what it was called, but I think they had that there too. Right on. Okay. So we get going. We get we get Tony Schiavone along with uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Dusty Rhodes on commentary. And boy, are we ever in for a treat with the commentary team yes. that we have yes. going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bob, man. <laughs> Bobby the Brain Heenan is just gold. And him and yes. Dusty Rhodes have such good – they had such good chemistry <laughs> together, especially in this pay-per-view. I mean, the way they played off of mm-hmm. Bobby cheering for New Japan and mm-hmm. <laughs> Dusty's cowboy boots. And mm-hmm. at one point, Dusty said, I need to go get my rope out of my truck. I know. <laughs> I, I love Bobby. Like Bobby slapping Tony is like, Do you understand what he's saying at all? <laughs> yeah. the whole show, I love it. I love that uh, whole aspect, man. They're all great. They were, they were. So we kicked this show off hot uh, on the very oh, first no. match. We've got Jushin Thunder Liger against Chris Benoit. And I know for people, I, we, I'll put a disclaimer. We're going to compliment Benoit on this. We're talking about 1995, the wrestler. We're not talking about 2007 or whatever, the psychopath. We're talking about the guy who, who was wrestling at this time. And, I, I you know, Benoit was a buzzsaw at this point, And this match was fantastic. It's weird seeing Liger actually wrestle as a heel in this yeah. match, but he, he did it well. But man, what'd you think of this matchup? That's the way you open up any event. Any show needs to open with that, a match of that kind of caliber. Those mm-hmm. guys came out there and put on an absolute classic match and went to the back and said, all right, everybody follow that. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, 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 and that's what they did. And they did it, though, differently than what happens today. They didn't do it by using everybody else's finisher or pulling out tables or chairs and all that. They just put on a classic wrestling match. The storytelling was great, you know, um, with with Paul Orndorff coming out. But (laughs) the the whole match itself was fantastic. Chris Benoit, like you said, disclaimer, we're going to compliment him. Arguably one of the greatest technical wrestlers of all time. I've said it. You've said it. We can all say it. Um, But, man, that... He he was probably the best person I've ever seen hit a German suplex. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Brock Lesnar, great. Yeah. Chris Benoit, the man. Everything is stiff. It has emphasis and it feels real. Like, it's quick side note my wife is big into watching like true crime and stuff like that. So she was familiar with uh, Benoit's story, of course, because she would have saw it on that kind of stuff. But she's also been watching you know, the wrestling with me from time to time. So she just happened to be next to me while this match was on and she couldn't help but watch it. Cause she's like, man, look at him go. Like it just, yeah. it felt so like, like I said it on the last episode or a couple episodes ago, Johnny Valentine was say, famous for saying, I, I can't make you feel that wrestling is, is real, but I can make you feel that I am real. And that's what Benoit did in these matches. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, he did. He, uh, the flying headbutt is one of the most beautiful finishing moves in the history of finishing moves, in my opinion. But mm. he 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 just looks he makes everything look effortless. Yeah, and, yeah, he does. And and smooth. There's nothing sloppy. Although to me, the ending was a little sloppy. Well, um, it was Sullivan. It seemed like was a little bit early on his entrance there, yeah, and it, it yeah. kind of got screwed up a bit. But 
and ironic because that's going to foreshadow what's to come with those two. And this isn't <laughs> this isn't the start of that. What this was playing off is Pillman. He's got the deal with Pillman mm-hmm. at this time, but he just wanted to screw up the Horseman. But yeah, that yeah. was an interesting finish there. But it was a way to keep Benoit whole without you yeah. know and losing. and you. I caught myself there. It was Kevin Sullivan who came out. I even yeah, Sullivan, yeah. that. But they had Paul Orndorf Orndorf comes came out later. Out later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I don't get that. Too, that's never mind. We're not gonna go there. That's uh, it's okay. Yeah, Kevin Sullivan. Um, yeah, yeah. Why? Why have that just come out so early? It did because he, he was yeah he he was a uh, feuding with Pillman at this point, and that's and of course this is going to lead to the famous I respect you Booker Man match, you know, with with yeah. Pillman. Yeah. But uh, he's like, I'm just going to screw up all horsemen here is what I'm doing. So, yeah. yeah, that was it. But great it's, match. Great match. I, I mean, if you're going to rate it stars, which we're not going to do for this one, but it, I mean, that's a five star right there just to start off your show. Yeah. And, yeah. and every, and every, like we said, everyone should be a five star to start off the show. Yeah. Um, why, why, why was everybody feuding with Brian Pillman in, in 1995? Everybody was. was- yeah, Pillman was playing the loose cannon, right? So yeah. he's like just gone, and you saw it at the very end. We'll get into that at the very end, but uh, he's just he's just starting something with everybody. And literally two weeks before that, he had done an interview uh, with Mean Gene with the Horseman, which led to the whole Paul Orndorff thing that happened later on. But he gotcha. was just basically calling down everybody, so and including Kevin Sullivan and the Dungeon of Doom and stuff like that. So he's just picking fights with everybody. Okay, that see yeah. that makes sense. I was yeah. that's why I got confused. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. Was a great match. Yeah. Um, Chris Benoit is, you know, what could have been with that man. Yeah. Um, match two was good too, and that surprised oh, yeah. me. I was yeah. not thinking that was going to be a, a good match. I, I've never, I haven't seen much of Alex Wright, but. Well, I, I obviously I have from what I'm watching right now, and I remember Alex Wright from back in the day, but at, back in the day, I just thought he was kind of like goofy with all the dancing and stuff like that. And ironically enough, I was thinking last night, now back in the day, I'm looking at Alex Wright's physique and I'm thinking this guy is like just some skinny dude that's in the ring. But you look at him now compared to today's wrestlers, if he stepped in the ring next to today's wrestlers, he'd, he'd be a giant amongst yeah. them because he's so tall. And he's got muscle mass to him, but compared to the guys of the '90s, it just he looks small in that. But yeah, yeah I was going to mention too right before this match, they had Eddie Guerrero and Mean Gene backstage, and what a difference in promo skills with Eddie back then versus what he became when he was, uh, yeah. you know, Eddie Guerrero, the WWE World Champion, the Viva La Raza, yeah, Guerrero. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. What do you think yeah. about the LWO bore on that all that stuff? um uh are you watching the modern stuff right now yeah 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 oh yeah. uh, man so uh i watched backlash and i was mm-hmm. really like like savio vega when he when he popped up on screen it popped me mm-hmm. um and but but i'll tell you i felt it i i was messaging a friend of mine who's a who's an indie wrestler now and you know he worked with us and me and him were talking and i was like um uh hundred hundred bucks says here about halfway through uh carlito is gonna make mm. make it to make a run in save during this match, and sure hell enough, not three minutes after that, it happened, and Carlito came out huge pop. Puerto Rico oh, was hot, yeah. The LWO shirt, and then all of LWO. I love it, man. It's mm. paying homage to Eddie Guerrero and what they had in the '90s, and bringing up uh, who could be, you know, the next Eddie Guerrero in the LWO. 
And uh, man, it's just it's just great, dude. I love yeah. everything that's going on with that. Yeah. You know? So and yeah, and Dom and all that stuff. It's yeah, just great, yeah. But, it's, yeah. It's got great storylines. Yeah. Selena Vega's, she's she's great. Um, they had a great match, but oh uh, man, Eddie was great. Yeah, <laughs> we could talk but about yeah. his match coming up. But yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's it's um cheap again, cheap plug for for my other YouTube channel, the WWTT pod uh channel the wrestling with the truth channel but i just did a video on on backlash which was a mixture of the review of backlash and just talking about are we spoiled as wrestling fans here in north america when you actually go watch an event that happens in say puerto rico where the fans were just on fire or when they go over to england and you'll see it when uh, aew goes over there the fans will be nuts there doing their chants and stuff like that mm-hmm. whereas we just sit here we're getting right now we're in a boom of wrestling and all we can do is complain about the bookers and who's not getting what and who's not doing this and, and yeah, fight we about is spoiled. Yeah. So it's like, uh, it's just nice to watch an event like that where the fans are kind of wholesome and just enjoying the product. And to hear that pop for Carlito, that was insane. What yeah. shape was that guy in? Oh he man. Yeah. Ripped, man. Yeah. I want and another Carlito run. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I said. I was, uh, I was texting my friend Skrilla and uh, he's, indie wrestler and he's actually wrestled with carlito and he's like man i said that when i wrestled him like three years ago that he needs another run and me and him talked about it carlito needs another run on the main roster maybe yeah. he'll get it he did tweet out that his uh his rate will go up now so <laughs> <laughs> always working my friend always working yeah, all right so that. let's get back to uh, alex Wright against koji kanamoto with and by the way, I should mention Sonny Ono is the Iron Man of the night coming up yeah. with every one of these Japanese wrestlers. <laughs> him, um, him and him and Nick Patrick. I think Nick Patrick yeah. reffed like eight of the what twelve matches we had, or however yeah. many matches it was. He reffed yeah. most of them. Shout mm. out to my boy Nick. Nick Patrick, yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I've noticed about all these matches throughout the night is they looked a little stiff. Uh, all the yeah. matches, like all the WCW guys had to work a little bit stiffer. And, and I noticed a few times in this match, it looked like there was a little bit lack of cooperation between Wright and, and his opponent. And uh, they had to settle it out a little bit. I, I mean, even Wright got, got in a few good uh, stiff uppercuts mm-hmm. to uh, Koji here, but uh, he was impressive. This uh, Koji Kanemoto. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, but I, I was impressed by both of them. Alex mm-hmm. Wright was super athletic yeah. in the nineties. Yeah. It, like you said earlier, if he was to wrestling today, mm-hmm. he could, you know, he could have been somebody back then. Oh, yeah. Maybe not. He did, he wasn't the size guy that everybody wanted, but yeah. you know, nowadays he could have really had a good run. Yeah. Um. But it was a great match. I uh, I thought the one thing I thought was weird. We had a superplex in match one. Mm-hmm. Match two, we have another superplex. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote, who was the agent that was agenting this match? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, did you guys not watch match one? You yeah. don't, you don't go out there and hit, you know, I know in today's time, everybody's hitting super kicks and mm-hmm. Canadian destroyers and everybody's doing all the, the same moves. But in my head, I don't want to see the same thing over and over and over and over again, tell a different yeah. story, but the story overall was really good in that match. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I didn't know who Koji Kanamoto was. I'd never heard of the guy. Good. Really good. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it ends up that uh, Koji gets the win. So New Japan's up 2 nothing to start yeah. things off. Uh, we go backstage. Mean Gene interviews Sonny Ono back there and uh, gets a few digs in on Sonny. And <laughs> I, 
uh, you know, Mean Gene is just, uh, he's like unleashed now in WCW. He just doesn't care. We'll find it out a little <laughs> bit later in his interview with Jimmy Hart. But uh, from there, we then go to Lex Luger uh, with Jimmy Hart. Now, if you've been following along my little odyssey here, I'm wrestling with the war. One of my favorite things of all uh, in all of WCW and Nitro is the awkward high fives between Lex Luger and Jimmy Hart. And unfortunately they, they didn't do an awkward one this time. It was a pretty good one. Jimmy Hart jumped up. They got the double uh, high five going on. So it worked out well, but Lex was facing old Masahiro Chono, who uh, later on would be part of the NWO in J- in new Japan and uh, quite the badass, I got to say. And uh, this is a quick match, uh, but both of them look great. Luger looks like a stud at this point. Uh, yeah. He is, even though he's playing heel, he's super over with the fans. And this is probably one of the best runs. 96-97 is one of the best runs Luger, Luger had besides, like, say, you know, 86-87 when he's with the Horsemen. Yeah, he looks like he's in phenomenal shape. Yeah. He, he's, he's like you said, he's over with the fans. And he's he's not in the title picture, but he's in the title picture. Yeah. So he's doing good, you know. I, I'm, I'm always going to be a big fan of Lex Luger. Mm-hmm. Um he's just a great guy but it was a good match for what it was you know it's not going to be you know wrestling technical clinic but it was it was what it was it did what it was supposed to do it was seven minutes of just uh two big hosses going at it and honestly man slapping beef i wouldn't have been (laughs) i wouldn't have been against luger going to that that championship match and taking the title off of savage it would have been fine me because he was he was riding pretty high and there was that storyline with savage at this point but yeah luger is over man and he's having a good run at this point but so now it's, it's a Luger racks him after, after about six minutes of action, um, hard-hitting action. And even Luger had to get a little bit stiff in this match because they had to bring up their game against these NGW guys. But uh, gets him in the torture rack, gets the win. So it's now 2-1 for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And we're going to head backstage with Mean Gene, who's interviewing Sting. And, of course, the big deal between Mean Gene and Sting, he wants to know what's the deal with the relationship with Luger and Sting. I mean, I mean Luger's a heel, obviously, but Sting yet is friends with them, which... Seems so weird. Like you can't understand that guys can be friends, even though they don't, they don't agree on the same things. Right. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, it's kind of silly the way they're doing it. But uh, I, I've been saying this all along. I miss Sur- surfer sting, man. Like, I don't think we appreciated surfer sting for what he was back in the day because everybody thought crow sting was so cool, but I like fired up surfer sting. He was really over. Yeah. Like, like he was, uh, to be honest, I thought he was the top guy in WCW, like the way the fans reacted. And I was like, I was shocked. I was like, so they're not, I didn't, I didn't, I've never watched arcade 95. Yep. I've, I, 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 I didn't spoil myself by going mm-hmm. ahead and looking at what happened. I wanted to watch this for the first time and see the outcomes and make really good mental notes about what happened. Yeah. So I'm thinking the whole time, like stings going, stings yeah. going to go and he's going to win and he's going to go and beat macho man. Because of how over he was with the fans, in my head, I'm thinking, all right, they're about to capitalize on this. This they're they're going to have him win, win it all, you know. Especially you know after he was the reason they beat New Japan, I was like, all right, they're going to win it. You know, they're going to put it on him, mm-hmm. and it didn't happen. And I was like, man, what? <laughs> this is crazy. Usually, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. <laughs> But I think I think this is Sting's consolation prize. Plus, they wanted to uh, give some ammo because they've been playing this whole idea that maybe Sting is not on 
uh, WCW side anymore, or maybe he's not on the good guy side. He's going to side with Luger. So, which of course will play into everything that happens in 96 with the whole new world, new world order and sting going up in the rafters and all that, but they're just planting seeds. But yeah, you're right. I mean, sting could have easily been in that championship match. And I, yes, sorry folks, we're spoiling the ending for you, but uh, my bad, my bad. I did that. It's not sting. (laughs) It's not Luger. So there's only one other guy that'll be in that match. But, uh, but yeah, it's um, it's unfortunate that they didn't go with him either. But they, that just goes to show how crazy stacked the the uh, the world championship picture was for them at yes. that point. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say, we have a lack of Hulk Hogan at this yes. pay per view. Yeah. And it's yeah. actually felt better. It's felt more real, more intense because Hogan's been so cheesy for the last little while in the red and yellow and stuff like that. That it's been interesting mm-hmm. not having him there. It just felt. Like there wasn't that presence there for the yeah. pay-per-view. See, I didn't even – I didn't think about Hulk Hogan until I think Tony Schiavone mentioned Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. was like, Hulk's, Hulk's – yeah, Hulk was in WCW. Where's he at? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you got New Japan trying mm-hmm. to take WCW. Where is your – where is Hulk Hogan? Why is he not here? You know, so I, I agree. I was I was, you know, early 90s Hulk Hogan was kind of outdone for me. Yeah, it was good when he went Hollywood Hogan. That revitalized his career. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, I think the Hulkster was shooting a movie at this point. Is what was happening. So they had this. Oh yeah, one of them. B-rated this fake, movies. Uh, fake, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, suspension angle that just so happens to end on uh, after Starcade's over. But yeah, it was <laughs> it was good. All right, so after that, we uh, we go to probably what I would consider the worst match of the night was Johnny B. Bad against uh, Masa Saido. And only because it was just such two such differing styles that it just didn't seem to gel. And like Saito is just like this fire hydrant that just doesn't move in there, right? And <laughs> Johnny B. Bad's all glitz and glamour. And and I mean, so it just didn't work. Johnny B. Bad ends up getting the wind after he uh Saito gets disqualified. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> I forgot about the fact that it's a DQ for throwing over the ropes in WCW. So uh that's some yeah. old school stuff. I was like, yeah, wait, it what? Is. <laughs> That's Bill Watts era stuff. But uh, all I can say about this match is it just did not work for me, brother. And um, also, I don't know about you, but I found Kimberly, the Diamond Doll, to be pretty irritating in this match, too. The best part was when she uh, was the first part of the match when uh, Sonny Ono was, said, what are you doing here? This is a man sport. And then yeah. she said, what did she said something along the lines? Well, if this is a man sport, what are you doing here? Yeah, I, yeah. That that made me laugh. I giggled about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Bobby the Brain said, uh, "I guess there's, uh, I guess Diamond Dallas Page is now Diamond Dallas Page." Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. taking some real hard digs at, at yeah. DDP, which I thought were pretty funny. Um, at the end, uh, I think Johnny B. Bad did like a front flip over the road. Yes, and, I was, and completely that, missed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely missed him. I was like, whoa, that was, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, like, what are you doing? <laughs> and Saito, Saito ends up selling it anyways. But yeah, it yeah. just, they did not gel whatsoever. Yeah, that, match match. Was, that match felt really off from the beginning. And I was yeah. like, I'll, I'll be honest, I tuned out a little bit in the middle the, of it. I was like, all right. The only cool thing was that flurry, the back and forth that they had to build the match where they looked like they were throwing some haymakers at each other. And I mean, uh, Saito is tough as nails, but <clears throat> you got to remember Johnny B. Bad was Golden Gloves boxer, right? So he could throw him hands too. But yeah, it was just, it was, wasn't working. But if that's your worst match, that's okay. We got, we got yep. a pretty good night going on. 
after that's backstage, as I mentioned earlier, that Mean Gene interviews Jimmy Hart and Lex Luger, and Jimmy Hart mentions that that uh, Kevin Sullivan's got a short fuse when de- describing why uh, Kevin interfered the match. And for some reason that really tickled Mean Gene. And he's like, uh, what do you know about Kevin Sullivan's short fuse? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I really don't need that kind of innuendo about Sullivan from uh, <laughs> Mean Gene. <laughs> Props to Jimmy Hardy. No sold it though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that would, uh, that was Mean Gene is just uh, one of the greatest, people in wrestling of all time and to say that off the bat you know he was just done at that point to say that oh i i have a feeling mean gene was tipping a few back yeah. on his show yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know about his short views god i don't think i caught that I'm oh yeah, yeah go back and watch that because i don't think he I brought it that. up twice to him and like hearts just like come on like, let's let's just drop this dude like i'm trying to put over luger here <laughs> oh man so after that then we have the eddie guerrero matches eddie guerrero against uh let me pronounce this right shinjiro otani is the wrestler Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean this was a great match otani was another guy who was a little bit stiffsky in there uh he didn't seem like he wanted to lose uh but of course eddie like they've been pushing eddie like crazy all throughout nitro uh leading up to this and i mean eddie looked fantastic in this match um i put absolute wrestling clinic best mm-hmm. match of the night mm-hmm. i literally put best match of the night absolute wrestling clinic um i, I always love those finishes um uh, where mm-hmm. you know it's the, the roll reverse around, roll up the, yeah the reverse roll up finishes i yeah. always love those and it was done to perfection mm-hmm. um otani you know fun fact group you know now semi-retired professional wrestler he started and co-founded pro wrestling zero one in japan and is still okay. the, the president of zero one today but he is one of the best japanese wrestlers of all time that nobody's ever even really seen outside of mm-hmm. these few appearances here and this was this was why i mean you got to see this guy was 24 years old and he showed why he's one of the best in the world at that time at 24 he was vicious too. Like everything he did, like as vicious, like the, you know, the face rakes and the mm-hmm. eye gouges and all that. So, I mean, for a young guy, he was, he was bringing it. Even Eddie at one point, like kind of gave him a little bit back and he's just like, you want to do that? You know, that's what you want to do. And he did that, <laughs> that twirling, uh, that twirling foot move that he does on the forehead. And he was just kind of, I think he put it in a little bit, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a stiff match, good match. And I mean, Eddie is looking great out there. Yep. That was uh, one of the my favorite matches of the night. And if you're, you if you're listening to this and you want to go back and watch one thing, that's that's it. Go watch it. If you're a wrestler, just Benoit and Guerrero, watch yeah. those two matches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If you're a wrestler or in wrestling and you want to study it, go watch those two. Yeah. Uh, for technical wrestling storytelling, go watch the semi-main event. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. No, I agree with you because I mean it's hard to build a story when you haven't when these guys haven't interacted leading up to this. Yeah. Of course, the other nice thing is Eddie and Chris Benoit spent time over in Japan. Yep. And so they had seen these guys, wrestled these guys before, but we didn't know that at the and, time, right? Yep. So. And they kind of played to it. Um, I want to say Dusty or Tony had mentioned um, how Eddie had actually wrestled Shinjuri Otani overseas yep. in Japan and already had a feud with him. And so they had already had that previous, you know, history. And that's their job in, in commentary is to, tell that story because nobody's gonna know because of course you know nobody knew wcw the people in wcw were like yeah well let's just bring in random japanese guys and not build a story (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, and let's be honest, it was Tony bringing it up because Dusty was just too busy talking about uh, the belly willies and the and the clubberin and the uh, unklin guys. <laughs> he giving him an unklin. <laughs> oh man, Dusty Rhodes, rest in peace, Dusty. <laughs> I uh, I got a quote I'm gonna drop on Facebook tomorrow as one of my my quotes I'm gonna put out, and it's a Dusty Rhodes quote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't wait to put it out. I'm a I'm a big Dusty fan. Oh so, yeah. Uh, so that was that's going to be a good one i'm assuming you follow no context dust yes yes (laughs) (laughs) oh man i'm taking a little stroll through uh well i'm taking a stroll through everything because of all the stuff i'm doing right now but i'm i'm in deep into 85 86 jim crockett promotions and i mean dusty's all over that right and i'm like sitting there going how in the hell was Dusty a babyface during this with some of the things he said in interviews, some of the ways he treated women, some of the ways he talked about women, some of the comments that he made? It's like, but it's just Dusty. <laughs> he like he needs like a, a, a 80 sitcom where it's like, that's Dusty. <laughs> just Dusty Rhodes, man. Exactly. He said something completely offside and just everybody's like, that's Dusty. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, it's Dusty Rhodes, man. He's... One of the best to ever do it in the ring, on the mic, you know, behind the scenes, man. Hi folks. It's BC here. I just want to say thank you for supporting wrestling with the war. I really appreciate you tuning into this episode. And if you're looking for some more fantastic podcasts to listen to, once you're done with this one, why don't you check out these great content creators? We are proud to call friends of the show. Tino's time on YouTube, which is a podcast covering fantasy football, baseball, and wrestling. SCW, the wrestling channel, also on YouTube, where Steve keeps you updated with the latest wrestling news, rumors, previews, predictions, and reviews, and the Intellectual Rockstar podcast, where host Dwaylon Davis covers all things nerdy. Thanks again, I hope you enjoy all of these selections. All right, so we go backstage uh, for another interview with uh, Mean Gene, and it's the Macho Man Randy Savage. And I'm always down for a Macho Man Randy Savage interview because he always brings the intensity. And once again, he did so. And keep in mind, too, uh, Savage was working injured here. He had some, some some bad stuff going on with his elbow. He needed surgery at this point. It might have been tricep problems, too, at this point. But he's just a trooper. He's just an old-school trooper that was like, doesn't matter, brother. I'm putting the show on whether you like it or not. <laughs> Savage's intensity is second to none. Yeah, yeah. He was in this match he had, um, you know, you could tell he was holding back because of his injury. It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't a macho man match, but he also had to work later on in the night. Yeah. Which also weird for a pay-per-view. But mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he uh it was a good match. You know, Macho Man oozes charisma. Yep. He, he knows how to tell the story. He knows how to put on a show. He knows how to get the crowd involved. And let's be honest, nobody hits that elbow drop quite the same. Which is <laughs> ironic because of the stuff going on with his elbow. He didn't really hit the elbow drop flush because he couldn't yeah. in this match. I mean, let's get into it. He was fighting uh, uh, Tenzon, who was just an absolute beast, if you ask me in there. I mean, he just, Tenzon dominated Savage through the whole match. And again, stiff stuff going on. Savage just took the beat. And Savage can sell like no nobody's business as well and then savage just happens to get a little um a little stuff a little advantage on the outside gets him back in the ring gets up on that top rope drops an elbow and he's out of there he was gone it was six minutes yeah they they really rushed that match yeah yeah they uh tenzon put him over 
pretty mm. good. So it was. It didn't well, feel Savage, rushed. But... Savage put tens on over because he let him just beat him for the whole yeah. match, but then then he gets the the elbow. But you know, Savage altogether total for that evening wrestled fourteen minutes total in two matches. So you can tell there was something going on with with yeah. him. Yeah, but yeah, he, he's gutsy man, gutsy dude. So. After that, we're back to the. Oh, I should mention at this point it's tied three three. So we're of course we're going we're going to the seventh match. We got to have the seventh match. Yep. It's going to be all on Sting. But before we do that, we've got Mean Gene backstage with the Nature Boy Rick Flair. And again, you want to talk about back to back interviews that are some of the best in the game. Flair always puts on a good performance in those interviews. Yeah, and Rick Flair, man, on top of his game in the nineties. Yeah, with, you know he he was getting up there in age, so he wasn't the same performer. But he he gave, he still gives the best interviews. I I personally also didn't know what was going on, so I didn't know exactly what was going to happen in this match. Mm-hmm. But you know, leading up to it, they did a good job telling that story in the interviews. You know, yeah. Backstage, you don't I don't I don't know you don't see that that much anymore. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I feel like the backstage interviews sometimes are just like what's the point? Yeah, what was the point of it? You know, yeah. and but. Hey, back then they knew what they were doing. <laughs> it's true. Like, I, like I, I'm, I'm going through. A, like, there's a great channel on YouTube called All Out of Bubblegum, and it's all about Roddy Piper. And every <laughs> Piper's Pit is on there. And the max length of a Piper's Pit, aside from one that he might have done live in an arena or something like that, but the stuff that was on Superstars and stuff like that, two to three minutes. And in two to three minutes. He was able to get over what was happening. He had a guest in that they got their stuff over. He had a con- you know a confrontation with the guest, or if it was the bad guys, he put them over like crazy, and they agreed to some two to three minutes. That's all he needed, and he would get the whole product over. Nowadays, somebody goes in the ring for fifteen minutes, and they still don't know what the hell they said. You go through a commercial break. You're back in the ring with them, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. and and nothing happens. Yeah. But back, you know, back in the day, man, Ric Flair was the absolute best yep. at putting somebody over in an interview, in a promo, uh, and putting over what was going on, the storyline, the match that he was building up to. Whatever he had to do to put it over, he did it. And and nobody has ever competed at that level to do it, you know? Yep. Uh, I mean, Dusty Rhodes are, are, you know, was up there with him, but Ric Flair still to this day. Nobody could bring that intensity to a promo the the passion to everything he did he did perfect yeah, <laughs> yeah so. i hear you i hear you. and i mean this was um so yeah at this time period like flair's having a little bit of a resurgence now he had come back in 93 to wcw had his run with the championship then then 94 hogan comes in and it's all hogan after that right yep. 95 is basically flair's obsession with hogan and then the side view but savage him and Ern got kind of pushed down the card a bit, but now the horsemen are back. And by the way, I'll mention this now because I was going to mention this at the end, but this is one of my favorite versions of the horsemen having Flair and Ern and Pillman and, and Benoit. So you have the two young lions and the two old lions, right? And they're working yeah. together. It was a nice little mixture there. But uh, so now the horsemen are back. Flair's starting to get his swagger back. He's in the world title picture. And we're going to find out later on what that means. And it's um, it's just nice to see Flair backing just telling his promos he's back in his game you know all that stuff instead of all this foolishness that was going on with yep. hogan in 94 yep. 95 and he looked to be in really good shape too 
Yeah, yeah, I think he was like 45 years old here or something. So considering that, you know, he's still still looking good. But uh, yeah. yeah, so after his interview, we had the final match of the uh, of the world. What do we call it? The World Cup of Wrestling. Uh, yeah. So it is Sting against Kenzuki Sasaki, and uh, once again accompanied by Sonny Ono, the hardest working man in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Sting ends up winning by submission with the Scorpion uh, Deathlock. So wins the cup for WCW for in a four three. It wasn't a long match, and I and I may mention that they've had other matches. Of course, Sasaki took the uh, the U.S. title from sting in a previous uh, pay-per-view so they definitely have had better matches but this was a quick one uh Suzuki is just like a again another he's like a, a saido he's just like a, a fire hydrant in there yeah. that can move but yeah so it was interesting to see this match and then at the end they had the cup ceremony in the ring and you had all the teammates there so it was heels and baby faces together but it didn't look forced and it actually looked like you know this meant a lot to the guys i, I this was actually really well done this whole tournament yeah. Um, one thing I noted, you know, the match was okay. Like you said, mm-hmm. it, 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 it did its purpose. You know, it wasn't yeah. going to be a 15-minute clinic of wrestling or any real big storytelling match. It, it put over what it was supposed to put over. Sting got the win. Afterwards, the baby faces come out first. You know, mm-hmm. Macho Man, Alex yeah. Wright, um, Johnny, Johnny B. Be bad. Be mm-hmm. bad. They all came out first to congratulate them. And then slowly come down with Lex Luger and um, – Benoit. Benoit. And, and it's like, okay, so that tells you that that right there was just the storytelling of the heels coming out. You know, they, yep. it wasn't like, oh man, I got to go celebrate. It was just them coming out going, yeah, we did it. You know, we, we yep. won for WCW. Uh, on to the next one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. I really enjoyed the whole cup. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it could have, the story could have been better. You know, they yeah. could have done a lot better building up the matches and building up the whole thing. For sure. Just a more of a spotlight on the New Japan guys. Now, it's not somebody mentioned like, oh, they should do this every year at Starcade. No, that's not what I want. I don't want it every year at Starcade. But like if you were, say, to do it kind of like a World Cup of Baseball where you had every three years or something like that, and then you you really built up the New Japan guys, that would have worked really well. Yeah, yeah. Just let your fans know who they are. Give them a reason to hate them or love them. You know, you don't have to put on the high flying matches to put on a good show. Yeah. Give the fans something to love and something to hate and you go home happy. <laughs> you know, it could have been as simple as you have a, a, a group of other WCW guys go over to Japan on a little tour. And these guys end up like beating the shit out of them or, or, you know, breaking some bones or something like that. Yeah. And then there, there's your story, right? Send, send Buff Bagwell over there. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and Scott, Scotty Riggs. Scotty Riggs. You know, have them go up against the IWGB Tag Team Champions yeah. and get the shit beat out of them. Excuse yeah. my French. Yeah. And end up, you know, seriously injured. And <laughs> and they show it on Nitro. Yeah. Two weeks before. And, you know, the and they're bragging before. about it and they're, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Yeah, that's all you have yeah. to do. You know, you yeah. don't have to get in, You don't have to get into like the whole Japanese thing and all, all that stuff. Just get into like put some drama with it. But yeah, anyways, they managed to, uh, without any promotion, they did a heck of a job making you interested yeah. in the tournament because they put on some great matches. And I got to say the crowd was jacked all night. I mean, it was nice. It's nice. Again, after seeing that Puerto Rico crowd and now seeing this crowd, I mean, it's just great to hear crowds mm-hmm. that are into the whole product. Yeah. Anytime you give American people a reason to chant USA is always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Americans are patriotic at heart. It doesn't, mm-hmm. especially yeah. in the nineties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? 
Exactly. And, and e- even now, you know, you give them, but it's it, it nowadays it's a beat up storyline of the anti-American, mm-hmm. and you know it's constantly if you're a foreign foreigner. I, one thing I will say, they have not done that with uh, Gunther on mm-hmm. WWE is make him an anti-American heel. He's just a heel, and I mm-hmm. think God Triple H hasn't done that yet. <laughs> yeah. I miss those days, though, where that was a very simple premise, right? You know, it was USA versus Japan. Sting comes out with American flag. The crowd goes nuts. And it's, yeah, like, yeah, he did, you know, yeah. it, it was just fun. It was fun. That was a really it. cool, you know, you got Sting. He's got the American flag. You got the lights. You got the mm-hmm. the flares going off. And he's coming out. And it's all patriotic. And mm-hmm. it felt cool. It felt yeah, good, it you did. know. Yep. And, 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 and the crowd was behind it. You know, you mm-hmm. can feel the crowd was behind Sting. That's when I said, he's going to win it tonight. He's oh, got yeah. that belt. He's coming off of it. You know, Macho Man's dropping it. You can even sense a little bit of urgency in the crowd that, like, yeah. are they going to lose this cup? Because it was well played out because Suzuki beat Sting for the uh, for the U.S. title previously. So he had a win over Sting. So it's not like yep. out of the realm of possibility this guy could beat him. So it was well laid out. Got to give him credit, yeah. you know. So, yeah. yeah. It was. All right, so from there, Sting had to stay in the ring because we're going right to our uh, triple threat match, or as they called it, a triangle match. And then this is one of the strangest setups for a three-way match I've ever seen, where it's three guys, but one stays out in the apron and must be tagged into the match, which to me is just ludicrous. I mean, yeah. it's like, why would you even tag the guy in? But you had a couple of accidental tags. You have one uh, main tag. But, yeah, so we had uh, – Flair, Luger, and Sting, and it's Luger sitting on the outside to start off with, and Flair and Sting, and and Flair being the fresh guy, he carried most of this match, and boy, did he ever uh, through yeah. it. But uh, thoughts on this match? Well, it told a great story. It told the story of Luger and Sting. Are they gonna? Are, are is is Luger gonna turn on them? Are they gonna yep. fight each other? What's gonna happen? You know, and then. When uh when Ric Flair comes over there and he challenges both of them and he wants both of them, then he goes back and Ric Flair was like the greatest heel of mm-hmm. uh, um he's the greatest heel of all time. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he he really could play off that grimy heel, the scumbag that he was, <laughs> and it was great. Yeah. Um the uh the match itself was a great story. Um you know, and I and I didn't even know what was happening previous, like before all this, the build up mm-hmm. or any of it, but just the story of the match told itself. You know, from commentary to the wrestlers mm-hmm. in the ring, the way they played it off, and it was really, really well done. Yeah, and I mean the big, the biggest story going into this match was the whole Sting Luger friendship, and what was happening here was was Luger going to turn on Sting? Was Sting going to turn his back on WCW basically mm-hmm. and go with Luger? Was he going to join the Dungeon of Doom? How's Flair play into this? You know, one last shot for Flair, all that kind of stuff. So there was lots of, I mentioned this in the previous episodes, there's so much going on in this title picture. It's great. You know, you have all these different levels and all these different people involved. And there's a different story for everybody. So really well done. Like you said, they, of course, the announcers did a great job throughout the match, keeping the fans involved and understanding what's happening. And then uh, we're talking a near 30 minute long match here, yes. too. It, that was, it was a long, long it was, match. But it didn't feel long. Yes. That's what I was yeah. about to say. It didn't feel like it was 30 minutes because yeah. of the way it was told in the ring. Yeah. Um, the finish itself, I thought, was really, really well done. Um, I, it, it, told, it continued the story because he, he grabbed his leg and he wouldn't yeah. let him back in. And yeah. it's like, 
and it let Ric Flair get the count out, which I still think is weird. How yeah. did he get the count out? Because he's not in the ring. He was the one at the I, I don't understand the match. I don't I know. I don't That's the only knock I can have in this match is the setup. And they might as well just had a regular triple threat. It's not like yeah. it hadn't been done before because ECW had done it as well. But uh, Well, then you couldn't do the count out because in a yeah. triple threat match, there's no count I know. out. I know. So it's just. <laughs> I've never even seen. I don't know. I that I I agree. That was the weird. Well, setup. sorry. I think their way around it was the the knockdown of the ref. So then Flair gets in the ring and he can he's kind of convincing a groggy ref that yeah I was the legal man. The I ring was tagged code. in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But still, gotcha. then you should have only counted out one of the guys because the other guy shouldn't have been tagged in. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. you know every everything had a little bit of loophole problems there, but in the end. Flair's going to the world title match. Rick and Flair's hey, the dirtiest player in the game, man. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, 12 years at the original Starcade, the granddaddy of them all, where Ric Flair was winning the title from Harley Race. Here we go. Ric Flair against Randy Savage in a world title match at Starcade 95. What more can you ask for, my friend? Yeah, Ric Flair. Randy <laughs> Savage. Uh, two, I, I, uh, I put on here Ric Flair getting nuclear heat. Yeah, from the crowd because of how they set it up. You yeah, know? and that's what I was talking about at the beginning of the show: how they set up, built the storyline, um, to push this match. Had they done that, you know, over a six-week period leading up to Starcade, I think it would have got him even more heat, just because they could have built it up better. Yeah, um, but they, you know, they did the best with what they had, and he got a lot of heat from causing, you know, Sting to who was the literally getting so much love from the crowd after winning yeah. and all that. So I put, he was getting nuclear heat. Uh, he was on top of his game and uh, macho man was the top baby face. You know, he was, mm. it was, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good match. That's what I put down. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have much notes for that. I just said, uh, wasn't a great match. Um, it was, you know, it, it was, the way it was, was it was for the gold, two of the greatest to ever do it in the ring, you know, and, and they had been doing this for 20 years at this point together. And it was a way for them to write Macho Man off TV. Yeah. <laughs> in the uh, Well, that's the thing. And then remember, again, I say Macho's working injured. I mean, the match was just a little over eight minutes long. And there's a lot of just um, a little bit of stalling tactics in it and stuff like that. A little protecting of, of Savage. What did you make of like so Savage clocks Flair very lightly with the megaphone from Jimmy Hart, but then you can clearly see Savage grabbing his blade out of his wrist tape and he gigs the living hell out of Flair. Like I mean, yeah, he was yeah, going in it. hard on him, and uh, <sighs> Flair was just a bloody mess. And I don't know if if Savage just went a little bit too crazy, or Flair said make it good or something like that, right? Yeah. Because um, yeah. we know that the match isn't going to be the best, so let's make that good. And chaos ensues. You got Pillman in jumping in there, Benoit's in there. Savage is fighting the two of them off. Iron comes in and he's clocking uh, Savage with those brass knuckles and then uh and then flair crawls over gets the pin he's the new world champion 12 times world yep. champion the nature yep. boy rick flair probably at that point it was actually more like 17 but uh they don't count five of those reigns <laughs> john john moxley that was his first match he ever watched yeah and that's where he takes his uh you know he watched that and went i'm gonna become a bloody mess yeah and that's that's how that's how you get over 
is yes, blading. And I'm, all, and I'm also <laughs> going to get caught on TV removing my blade. That's what else he saw there too. <laughs> oh man, I uh, I I enjoyed that. I thought you know they saved all the blood for last, mm-hmm. and it was it was well worth it to yep. see to see that shot of. Ric Flair selling the blood. He's laying there. He's flopping around. He's a mm-hmm. bloody, disoriented mess. And then, uh, the, of course, the rest of the four horsemen come in, and Arn knocks him out, and Flair gets the win. But then afterwards, you see Brian Pillman take the belt. I know. And he just wails on him, just slap the absolute living piss out of Randy Savage with the belt. We he needed hands it to Ric Flair. I was like, God damn. We needed man. we needed a JR there. He beat him like a rented mule. Yeah. <laughs> or beat him like a government mule or something. But yeah. Oh, he just Lord. whipped him with that belt. But that was again the loose cannon character of Pillman. Yep. Like it was it was great. That's what you need in a heel stable like that. And so um, I liked it. When seeing those four in the ring together, the four horsemen, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was a good shot. Um Ric Flair was was hold you know just he he if you're gonna put the belt on anybody rick flair is a guy to put the belt on mm-hmm. i mean he he made the belt what it was in mm-hmm. in the 80s you know in the 70s i yeah. got a cool story about a rick flair thing i can tell after this but yeah. <laughs> no he, worries uh, man, go ahead I, tell it go ahead uh, tell man, it i i picked up a rick flair southeastern poster from uh, nice. from southeastern wrestling which was in alabama and it had it was purple I had it sitting over here and I just, I, I bought it for like, you know, six, I bought four posters for $60. I sold the Ric Flair one for 150 bucks <laughs> <laughs> and it had Ric Flair verse for the Alabama championship versus mm-hmm. Charlie cook. Okay. And it had their faces on it. And Rick was like just a thick neck and long blonde hair. So, you know, it was like early eighties, maybe yeah. late seventies, Ric Flair. Yeah. And I just thought that poster was really cool. And mm-hmm. the guy I sold it to, man, he is so happy. He's got it hung up in his house. And he's, he's from Alabama and he's just a huge Southeastern fan. And he was like, man, I, I think uh, I, I sent him another poster too. And it had Arn Anderson. No, it Arn Anderson was on that poster. Right. And we were talking, we were like, man, me and him got to talking about it. Maybe this was the first time because Arn was like at the bottom of the card, and yeah. Arn come at that time was like, like really green in the business. I think this might be the first time when Rick and Arn really met before okay. they started forming up the the Four Horsemen. Um, He's probably still going by Marty Lundy at that point. Who Arn? Arn, no, yeah. No, no, he was going by Arn Anderson. Oh, yeah. he was. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I don't remember exactly what the match was that Arn was in, but I, it was just a cool little thing to have out there, man, was the Ric Flair and Arn Anderson on there. It was a, it was a cool find. Um, yeah. I, I bought that from Action Mike Jackson. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Still going strong, Mike Jackson. Yeah. Oh, man. Mike Jackson. He wrestling on TNA or Impact TV. You know, he's mm-hmm. doing all the GCW tapings that he can and, Mm-hmm. The guy, the guy is a workhorse, man. He's a hustler. I sat at his table, at his gimmick table, at a at a show in Georgia. Um, he and I were hanging out, and I was up there promoting with Scott. And he, Mike's like bringing people over to say, "Hey, man, I've known you since you know you were this tall. You need a new Mike Jackson T-shirt." <laughs> the guy's like, "I don't know." He's like, "No, man. I I tell you what." I got a picture right here. I'll sign it. It's me and Ric Flair. 
I'll give that to you for five bucks if you'll buy this T-shirt for fifteen, twenty dollars. <laughs> you get a T-shirt and a signed picture of me and Ric Flair. And people, people man, I think he made four hundred fifty dollars in like two hours. <laughs> that dude is a straight hustler. Mike Jackson oh, yeah. is the man. They know how to work, man. Those guys from that day know how to work. Never, well, never leaves them. Never man, leaves them. Chick Donovan would go on Sundays and go to the local uh, mall down in Pensacola. Arn Anderson told this story on his podcast, but I heard it too. And he would set up his gimmick table. Like if it was raining and they didn't have anything going on, like there was no show going, he just set up his gimmick table at the mall. Just trying to sell gimmicks. <laughs> and, and people would be like, who's Chick Donovan? Well, he's he's a a job guy yeah. <laughs> oh man i love it i love the old school guys man but oh um, man one Rick... last oh go ahead Sorry, no no go, go ahead go ahead man i was just gonna say one last bow i'll put on this so there was a dark match after this interesting fact here there was a dark match after really? after the uh the main event obviously didn't make it onto the pay-per-view but it was one man gang against kinsuki uh, Suzuki for the u.s title an interesting thing that happened there so they had a finish in the match where gang pinned Suzaki, but he clearly um either kicked out or put the foot on the ropes or something like that but the referees still counted to three uh and then they had somebody come out from the back and say no 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 you missed this he, he did kick out or whatever and so they restarted the match and Suzaki ended up beating one man gang keeps the title but wcw on the later WCW Saturday night or Nitro or something like that only showed the, the result of the actual one man gang portion where he beat Suzaki and claimed him to be the U S champ. So I don't know what happened there. Maybe uh, things went a little bit sideways with Suzaki and new, new Japan and the U S title and all that. So they, so that's how one man gang became the U S champion for a little bit in WCW. Was, was this, uh, was this pay-per-view before WCW? Yes, it had to have been. Because Eric Bischoff was in charge. Never mind. Never mind. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about when they went to uh, with New Japan over to North Korea. And uh, so I'm thinking that was like 96, 97, right? Okay. Um, yeah. I'm, I was just, I, I just started thinking about that. I was like, so, so I was like, I wonder if this was before, but no, no. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah, my brain. Now I'm a squirrel, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting side note, but overall, what was your thoughts on this total pay-per-view? Good. Was it, oh, uh, man, it was, uh, it was, it wasn't the best I've ever seen, but it was a lot yep. better than I was expecting. When yes. I, when I, when you told me Starcade 95, I went and pulled it up on Peacock and it was like, uh, the, the world cup and it was new Japan versus yeah. WCW. <laughs> and I was thinking, all right, but think about all the talent that WCW had. I mean, yep. in 95, you had a young Eddie Guerrero, a young Chris Benoit, Brian Pillman, Jr. Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Man, just all this talent, mm-hmm. and they still didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did for a little while. Oh, Unfortunately, man. there was no, a man, big... wrestling was hot back then. Yeah, man. yeah. AEW's trying. I just don't think they got the heavy hitters they think they do. Well, I mean, <laughs> WWE's in just another stratosphere now. They're not even WWE's not even a wrestling company anymore. They're they're just a an entity all themselves. So nobody's ever going to overtake them. No, but that's okay. Nobody should be going into it thinking they're going to overtake WWE. You should just want a piece of that pie, which is what AEW should be concentrating on. And, I think and people just hate AEW thing. because Tony or uh, not Tony, Tony is a terrible human being. <laughs> <laughs> 
they're not likable. Let's put no, it that no, way. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just it, it, he makes it hard to like him. Tony yeah. Khan is just he's hard to you either love the guy or you can't stand the guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and for me, it's just like, dude, just ease up a little bit. Like, yeah. just don't don't be you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not do some of this stuff yeah you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah like don't do that like yeah yeah and hire some writers call yeah. me hey man i'm available i <laughs> know oh, i'm just kidding <laughs> there you go oh man uh, yeah just, no I, I i'm with you I, i'd say um decent decent show like if it, it, decent from a pure wrestling perspective yes. obviously the storylines aren't quite there but you can figure out the storylines because there's the tournament and all that stuff and the main event storyline is there but if you just you're a fan like those Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit matches, you could plunk them into today's wrestling and they'd be perfectly fine in today's wrestling and people go nuts for them. And they like it even more because they actually sold in between moves instead of just jumping yeah. to the next move one after the other. Even the Alex Wright match, that would fit in fine. And, um, you know, Sting and Luger main eventer, Savage main eventer. I mean, really the only quasi-stinker was Saito and Bad. And that was it wasn't like it was, you know, just worst in the world but it just wasn't great. But overall, yeah. I'd say if you just on a Saturday afternoon or just let, let's watch a random pay-per-view from WCW. Well, let's flip on this. You're not going to be disappointed. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It, I will warn you. It's a long pay-per-view. <laughs> it, it's, it is very long. And, and, and if you got to take a break, do it like I did <laughs> start it, watch three matches, go cook breakfast, come back to it. <laughs> That's at least it's at least it's not like the six hour ones but, that we have from oh, WWE and that stuff now. <laughs> oh, dude, some of them ones take forever yeah. to get through. But yeah. uh, I'll tell you, man. Just uh, I appreciate you having me on because hey. uh, it's been a long time since I've really gotten to watch wrestling and to talk about wrestling and uh, uh, just really sit in this podcast studio and. It's kind of giving me a little itch to do it. I feel a little rusty. That's my problem. I feel like I'm 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 not where I was, you know, eight months ago. It's so. all good, brother. It's all good. It, it just takes some reps, but hey, maybe we'll coax you back into the podcasting game. You know, BTG is not dead. <laughs> oh well, maybe that one might be. I've got I've got some other goals in mind with there you when go. it comes to podcasting. There but uh, but hey, man, who knows? I just I thank you for letting me come on here. No and, problem. Uh, Thank, thank, thank you for the listeners for listening to this great podcast that BC has worked so hard to uh, to keep going, man. I, I remember whenever it's I first found it and to see where he is now, uh, it's 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 great, man. I'm really proud of you. Well, and, thank you, man. I appreciate and, that. Uh, it wouldn't happen without all the listeners who listen to you and support right. you. And yeah. and uh, trust me, I know how hard it is to do this. Oh yeah, you know to sit where you're sitting because I did it for a long time mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, it's a lot of work and people just th- don't know that but hey um shout out to all your listeners and all the fans of this podcast shout out to somebody who i know is going to be listening to this will gray who yeah. actually got to meet in person good guy you know, good one of the dude. best guys you yeah. know so hey yeah thanks man this was great no problem no problem okay so let's you know what? Uh, we know we don't have a pro- podcast to promote, but if somebody wants to buy a home in the Georgia area, yeah, who do they go to for that? <laughs> hey, man, if you're looking to relocate to the amazing state of Georgia, we've got oceans, we've got rivers, we've got lakes, um, we've got mountains. So how many states do you got? Pristine mountains, pristine beaches, great river fishing, 
we got all that in the state of Georgia at fair prices, fair rates. Call your boy. Look me up on social media at Big Mike Sells. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on the Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Wherever you can find me, I'm there. Call me. I'll get you in the right house. And it's just all at Big Mike Sells for everything. At is it? Big Mike Sells. Yep. 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 Pretty soon I'll have a website, but it's not nice. going to be Big Mike Sells, but it'll be something else. But right now, it's just find me Big Mike Sells. Yep. And what I like about it, like I like I see your stuff that you're posting on all the social media. Like I like how you're you're posting tips for people who are just yes. new to the homeowners yes. um, situation yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, there, so there's so many yeah. first time home buyers that don't know yeah. what they're doing and don't know what to expect getting into this. And mm-hmm. when they, you know, if 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 nobody tells them like they're not going to know and they're going to mm-hmm. come into it and have no idea. Whenever I tell them or somebody else tells them, Hey, this is what it's going to take. They're mind blown. Yeah. So I, I want to get you prepared. I want to get you ready. So when you come in here to make the biggest purchase of your life, you know what to expect. You know what you got to do and we get it done. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, eventually, you know, if you do get back in the podcasting game, it might be, hey, hey, it's Big Mike. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, Save with Big Mike. <laughs> somebody's followed. A, and if you want to sponsor a few podcasts, I know a couple that you can sponsor as well. <laughs> hey, you know. I'll even do know, a Bluetooth ad. <laughs> <laughs> Them blue chews, man. I don't know nothing about them. I can't tell you, but <laughs> Road Dog does. <laughs> oh, man. No, I appreciate that. Uh, it's funny. No worries, man. All right. Well, folks, um, if you want to follow me, all the information is pretty easy for uh, for the wrestling with the with the war. It's uh, uh, at WWTT Pod, both on Instagram and Twitter. Facebook, it's Wrestling with the Truth. Over on YouTube, it's Wrestling with the Truth for the YouTube channel for any modern stuff. But if you're a fan of old school 80s stuff, head on over to my new YouTube channel, Wrestling with the 80s, and take a trip down memory lane and join the fun there because it's uh, we're having a fun ride so far. And, uh, you know, anything else, just reach out. Uh, you can get me by email at bchunterwwtt at gmail.com. But Big Mike, I want to thank you very much for, for your participation in this one. I appreciate you slogging through, but run out of time. The fans give me the signal, so we got to get going. 